0: The Naked Scientist. Time for The Naked Scientist with Dr. Chris Smith. Give us a call with all of your science-related questions on 11 883 and send through your WhatsApp messages and voice notes to 72 702 Happy New Year, Dr. Chris Smith. It's
1: good to be back with you. Happy New Year. Yeah, I've been missing you. Aww. And um, everything that John was saying there, I was enjoying that enormously and nodding along to all his points about how you make sure that you have a relaxing time he's so right don't set goals i realized as he was talking i was blundering into all of these stress man traps because before Christmas I was saying to people we'll get together we'll do this (laughs) we'll do that and then when the time runs out and you realize you haven't achieved any of it you feel bad about yourself rather than Mm. saying well actually I needed a bit of time to decompress and and unwind a bit. I don't think I sound or look as relaxed as he does but hopefully I'm a bit more relaxed than I was before and I hope you are too.
0: So you know what made me a little bit more relaxed than what I would have been is we didn't I, have to talk to me. For a start. Yeah, I mean, that, that too. But decided last minute to kick the kid out of the beach holiday.
1: <laughs> Where to?
0: Um, to family. Um, I, I really wanted to take my son to the beach and then at last minute I was like, I can't do this. You, I need a break. I need a mom break. And um, I felt guilty for two days, but most of it... I felt relaxed, not having to deal with mommy, 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 look, mommy, look, mommy. uh, uh, Yeah. And I don't know how many parents feel about it. We spend quality time together, but I also understood the importance of taking time away from your child.
1: You definitely need a break sometimes, don't you? It's just a sort of change of state and a chance to to just think your own thoughts for a while rather than get into this sort of we run headlong into the week and everything's coming at us and we go on autopilot a lot of the time and then you get to the end of the week and think, where did the week go? And also, did I get a chance to actually sit down for a minute, take a breath and think, mm. what yeah. did I do for me this week? And very often the answer is, in this modern era, very little. And I think that, that we sort of end up we build a kind of stress debt and and then that has to be paid back and sometimes you just need to decompress and, and not feel guilty about doing nothing sometimes i find myself saying well i crave boredom just because if i'm bored it means i finally let myself switch off for five minutes it doesn't last mm. long yes. craving a boredom but <laughs> then you feel better <laughs> afterwards
0: all right do we take your calls Oh, double one, double eight three, oh seven oh two, in the whatsapp line oh, 0727021702 oh, oh, we've got uh Marcosini in four ways. Hi, Makosini. Happy New Year. Uh, happy New Year. Uh, quick one for the doc. Uh, okay, I, I want to know if uh, in places where people have died, uh, whether they were tortured or they died uh, uh, violently, there is uh, what is called a, a paranormal activities. Mm. Right? So... So, that I want to know from the talk as to, from a scientific perspective, uh, do ghosts really exist? And if they do, how do science really interpret those t- so called paranormal activities?
1: Excellent question. And the answer to this is as far as science is concerned, ghosts don't exist. But that doesn't mean that the experience isn't real for some people. So let me explain. If there's an area which has a reputation for being haunted, in inverted commas, or there's a good story that goes along with something horrible happening in a certain place, then people tend to approach that place with a particular mindset this is spooky. So already, because we've been warned about the place, we tend to be on high alert. Your sympathetic nervous system is busy pumping your bloodstream with adrenaline. So your heart's beating faster, you're breathing faster, you're breathing deeper, your eyes are open wider to make sure you can see everything, and you're on high vigilance, hyper alert. Unsurprisingly, anything makes you jump. So the area, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy, feels spookier than if you knew nothing about its provenance or its background in the first place. The second thing is that scientists has shown that there is some aspects to a venue which can make it feel spookier because of a phenomenon called infrasound. And scientists have shown that when you get into an area where there's a very high representation of very low frequency sounds, often sounds that we can't hear physically with our ears, but we can feel with other bits of our body, they tend to summon up emotions of negativity or make people feel nervous or scared in that environment and when researchers have been to places where people say they think a a, a place feels bad or is haunted you can often find there are high levels of these low frequency sounds there and it's just a phenomenon caused by the shape of a building nearby sources of sound and vibration industry traffic weather patterns and so on which make vibrations too low in frequency for us to interpret as sound but we feel them nonetheless and people have gone a stage further and said well it's not just an observational thing if we apply this sound in a context where people don't expect it to be? Can we change their mood? So they did an experiment where they asked people to listen to music in a concert and they applied infrasound during the concert. At times the audience didn't know they were doing this and they asked people to keep a log of how emotional, different bits of the music made them feel, and whether they felt scared, on edge, happy, elated, and so on. And there was a really strong correspondence between the reactions of the audience when these infrasounds were on, uh, and them saying they felt uneasy compared to when those sounds were not there. So putting all this together, there's no such thing, scientifically speaking, as ghosts, and people have looked very hard at this sort of thing and thrown all kinds of science at it. We can't find any kind of scientific reason why there should be such a phenomenon. Nevertheless, people's perceptions of these sorts of things do exist, and it may well be that we have a good imagination, a fertile imagination, and together with various environmental triggers, they can make us think we're hearing things or feel uneasy for no reason other than we associate the place with perhaps being somewhere where dangerous things could happen to us. And so we tend to take a more cautious approach, and that makes us think the area is haunted.
0: But you know what's interesting, doctor, with what you're saying, um, I, for example, when I've gone house hunting, walked into spaces that something just felt off and I couldn't say what it was. Is there a scientific... Mm, Well, that
1: could be infrasound, you see. And that could be exactly what they're saying, that you walk into these places and because of the the structures of buildings, people have put industries in certain positions, cars going past, they can make buildings vibrate. And if buildings are built in a certain way, you've all experienced the phenomenon of resonance, which is when you drive along the highway and as you get to certain speeds in your car, this annoying vibration starts Mm. and it gets to a maximum at a certain speed and then it goes away again. That's resonance, because when things are a certain shape or size, they have a natural pattern at which they vibrate best when you give them the opportunity to do so. So if you build a building which has a certain structure, shape, weight, decorations, things in a certain place, and you have a source of, of vibration that can make that building try to vibrate, it can end up resonating in such a way that it will it will produce an amplification effect of those particular frequencies, and if they happen to overlap with the ones that are in this infrasound Regime, they can then contribute to feeling a bit weird and mm. that may be what you're experiencing.
0: Mm. All right. Uh, we have Tess from the West Rand. Hi, Tess. Hi, How are you? Good. Thanks. And you? Good. Um, I have a question for your guest this afternoon, please. Um, I have a problem with names. Uh, for some reason... I keep on mixing up people's names, but only when they their names start with the same letter or they sound the same, it's as if it's kind of a, a dyslexia, but with names. Mm. <laughs> so like, for example, I would call Craig uh, Grant, for example, mm. or vice versa, that type of thing. And I wanted to know, is this normal or do I really have a problem? <laughs>
1: Mm. what would you say your name was george wasn't it um thanks thanks tess for that question
0: thanks jessica the answer is it, it, it,
1: yeah yeah it, it probably is or terry or uh something like that but it, it probably is that it's the way your brain is wired and we're all different and we we all have these individual little foibles and we tend to do this kind of thing and the way our brains work the way we store memories and faces and so on there's a discrete part of your brain it's on your superior temporal lobe, where you have an archive of faces and you recognize people because that region of the brain lights up when a face you've seen before is presented to your visual system and that area is then connected to another region of the brain which is concerned with the name of that person and how to produce the name expressively or hear the words so when you see one stimulus the nerve network that is responsible for you recognizing one thing, the face, is then recruiting lots of other brain regions which are doing ancillary jobs and then it feeds together to say, this is a face, this is Tess, this is what she looks like, and then it tells which bit of the brain is responsible for making the sounds, that's how you say Tess. And in some people, because the connections are slightly miswired, or you can have additional connections to different areas of the brain, sometimes when you recruit one circuit you also end up pulling up the activity in another one that's precisely how the brain works but sometimes it's a bit off target and you end up retrieving the wrong piece of information or two pieces of information at once and then they have a sort of internal argument as to which one you're going to choose this happens for a range of different reasons in other respects and it's called synesthesia and there are people in the population they're pretty common where if you say some certain word to somebody they'll, who's got this they'll say a color for instance they'll say well mondays are always blue and tuesdays are always red and it's always the same association some people say they can taste shapes if you show them a circle it has not just a, a shape profile in their vision but they'll experience a flavor in their mouth or a particular taste in their mouth and it happens the same way reproducibly, time after time after time. And we think that this is this very thing happening. It's that the region of the brain that would normally recruit, be recruited to say that is a triangle and these are its features also pulls up accidentally some of the activity and tasting circuits of the brain and says "And it, this is its taste, even though it hasn't normally got one. Or this is its colour, even <laughs> though it wouldn't normally have one. So I think you might have a sort of naming synesthesia where you're... Uh, Brain is wired in such a way that it, it means that when you get one person's recognition circuit active, it recruits a number of different name circuits at the same time, and then it can't always decide which is the one it absolutely wants to plump for. And I think you're absolutely normal, we all do it, but maybe in your case it happens a bit more. And also, bear in mind that the more you focus on something, the more it will happen because we tend to subconsciously train ourselves into doing things. So, the worst thing to do if you have a tip of the tongue experience or get something wrong is to then obsess about it because your brain will learn the mistake, not the reality.
0: All right. Thank you so much, Tess from the West Rand, for that question. We've got Simon from Kempton Park. Simon, go ahead. Hi, Vinokia. I just okay. a bit dark there. Um about what is the scientific evidence regarding the mindset of a human being and their life experience based on their positivity or negativity towards life?
1: Mm. Well, this is a really interesting point, Simon, because I was talking to a lady at the University of Bristol last week called Emma Robinson, and she'd done some research on people who have, or she's interested in the phenomenon of people who have really hard-to-treat depression. And in recent decades we found that if you give certain drugs which are not antidepressants but they can have a sedating effect or a, or a mood altering effect and in one case she's looking at psilocybin which is a hallucinogen, magic mushrooms in another case ketamine, an anaesthetic agent she's got evidence that when we store memories we don't just store the memory, the discrete piece of information but we attach to it an emotion so when you are in a good mood and you store the memory of where you put your keys, when you retrieve your keys, you also link to the, here are my keys, the I'm in a good mood memory. Mm. And if you're in a really foul mood when you put the tin of beans in the cupboard, the next time you get the tin of beans out of the cupboard, you will remember that you're in a foul mood. And people who have a depressed state tend to have more negative emotions and attach more negative emotions to their memories. So, unsurprisingly, everything they remember, recall, think about, tends to cause them to feel more negative. And if you break that association, which these drugs seem to do, they seem to divorce the piece of information you're remembering from the emotion that you were experiencing at the time you stored that memory, you can actually make things much more positive so when we talk about people who are in a good mood or in a bad mood everyone has bad days we also know that a significant proportion of the populations of many countries around the world are experiencing depressive symptoms at any one moment in time but something means that some people tend to focus on the negative too much and then almost rehearse being negative and they ruminate they think about negativity a lot and this then becomes attached to many of the thought processes and many of their memories that they form. So unsurprisingly, when they think about anything, they think about feeling down when they're thinking. And as a result, they maintain a state of being down. Versus people who don't have that natural tendency tend to think about things in a more positive way, store memories in a more positive way, and therefore, unsurprisingly, stay more positive. And what you've got to do with people who are experiencing low mood is A, find out why they're experiencing low mood and try and re- remove the reversible reasons why they're experiencing low mood and then help them to get out of that cycle of, of thinking about the negative and add higher value to things and value more the positives and the good things. They still experience them, them as good, but they're just ascribing a lower value to them and it's, it's helping them to push up the value of the good in their mind so they stay thinking things are better than, than they were before.
0: Mm, very interesting. Thank you for that question. Uh, Tabiso from Soweto. hey hebi, go ahead.
1: Hello. Hi, Am Tabiso.
0: I... Yes, go ahead. Yes, how are you? How are you? Uh, my, my question is, this question has, has been puzzling me for quite a long time. When you talk about multiplication, we always uh, uh, add, uh, not add, multiply something. But when you take one plus one, I mean, one times one equals one. Why is it one? And when you take other number, he said, you said two, two times two is four, mm. but one still remains the same. But the logic behind it is supposed to, to, to be a multiplication.
1: Mm. One way to make this, this a bit easier is to, is instead of saying times, think of the word lots of. So if I have a bag with a certain number of things in it and I have a certain number of lots of those bags, then the total I'll have is by adding up all of the bags with all of the contents in them. So if I've got a bag with one thing in it, a coin, let's say, and I add another bag to it, then I've got two bags, one plus another. I've got two. But if I say I've got one lot of one, then I've got one lot of a bag with one. Hence, one times one is one. Does that make it a bit clearer?
0: Uh, He is not with us, um, but I think that the language... You, you've answered him perfectly by saying one lot of. Because I've seen this argument before. There was a, visit, a, a video of Terence Howard um, trending where he was saying that the maths we were taught is incorrect um, and trying to say why. I think it was around that thing of why is one times one, one? Why is it not being multiplied? But the way you're saying a bag of, I think that pretty much simplifies it. Um, there is a question on uh, the WhatsApp line via voice note.
1: Good afternoon, Lebo, and the doctor. I would like to know: Does my eyes affect my how well my hearing is? Uh, say, for example, now my left ear hears better than my right
0: ear. And being a blind person in both eyes, my right eye is an artificial, while my left eye
1: is my natural eye even though totally blind so i wonder if that might be the reason my left ear hears better than my right thank you ooh interesting one doctor what a fantastic question and as the question began to unfold i was immediately thinking i wonder if this person's going to ask me about blind people or if he himself is blind. Because there was a fascinating study that was published a few years ago, I think it was in the journal eLife, and researchers were looking at, they were trying to understand the role that watching someone speak, effectively lip reading plays, in how your auditory system works, how effectively your listening system and your visual system work together and they did experiments in people who were completely blind But they found that when they presented sounds because people who don't see tend to become really really good at Interpreting sound I had a friend who could walk into a room click his fingers a couple of times He could tell me exactly how big the room was without moving just by listening to how the echoes came back And it's that kind of acuteness of hearing and there's evidence Uh, that you've got various bits of the brain which do expand their territory. They use more brain tissue to process certain stimuli and you can get expansion of the auditory system into the visual system that's not being used by the eyes in people who are born blind. But the reason this study was looking at people who are blind is because they wanted to see, without the interfering effects of the visual system activating the brain, they wanted to see whether, when they presented sounds to blind people, the, the, the areas of the brain that normally help us see are influenced by the sounds. And the answer is, they are. And when you are presenting sounds to people, it facilitates or adjusts the activity in relevant parts of the visual system and one argument is this is how, when we lip read, this is what's going on. There's a reciprocal connection. So when someone's speaking, you are following the patterns of their lips with your visual system. Your visual system is then reinforcing how your sound interpreting systems make sense of those sounds and pay attention to the right bits of the sound. And similarly, when you hear sounds, you guide your visual system and your attention, because you're seeing lots of stuff that your brain throws away, your attention is like a spotlight focusing on the stage. Your visual system is guiding, is being guided by your auditory system, which is telling your brain what to put emphasis on, what to watch, what to look at, and what it can afford to throw away. So there is a possibility that in the question being asked, this is this is what's gone on. Although you have to be very careful about drawing conclusions from a single case.
0: Dr. Chris Smith, thank you so much. Back together next Monday.